Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez. And today I'm here with my friend who's visiting us from Australia, from down under, right? That's how they say it? That's right. Dr. Gillian? Gillian. How do you pronounce your last name? Gold. Gold. And that's obviously from from England, because you're from England, is that correct? That's right, yeah, I grew up in England. And you live in Australia. That's, yeah, I'm in Australia now. And, uh, doctor, what is, has been your experience here in Rochester? You've been in Rochester, Minnesota here for, what, almost a week? Oh, just over a week now. And how how's the weather has been treating you? Oh, it's good. The first weekend was a bit chilly. Uh, before I came and I had a look at the weather forecast, I thought it was a bit kind of crazy weather, like going from three degrees up to like 20 something. And I was not quite sure what oh, to Oh, so you guys are in your winter in Australia? Oh, in Australia, we're in the winter. We're heading into the winter, but our, our weather was really quite good. But when I looked at the forecast for <clears throat> Rochester, um, I could see there's quite a diversity of weather I've expected. So... I wasn't quite sure what to pack. Okay, and um, <coughs> I remember we met when uh, I was part. I was involved to loan you a, a bicycle to explore the city. How, for our city authorities, uh, what is your experience mm -hmm. as a visitor to bike around Rochester? Yeah, I've loved it so far. Uh, it's been great having the bike paths, and you know, being able to bike up by the. Bear Creek and up to the Silver Lake and it's just been so lovely with the, it being springtime and all the beautiful flowers and greenery and the little baby ducklings. It's been very picturesque. Great. So uh, also can you share with us what brought you here to, to Rochester? Well I came here on an international visiting research fellowship which was is funded by the University of Newcastle in um, Australia. Okay. And it was a competitive process applying for funding. And where is the university located at? Is there a new Newcastle is the name of the town? Yeah, Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. So basically the idea is to fund people to make international connections and I have a colleague here, Professor Christy Patton, that I was coming to visit with the hope that we may be able to collaborate on some of our research. And for somebody who's listening in this part of the world Newcastle, Australia. What is the size? Where can you describe the town so we can idea get an idea of? Uh, well, it's the paint the picture for us. <laughs> it's the fifth largest city in Australia. It's about two hours north of Sydney. Uh, most people have probably heard of Sydney. It's on the east coast, and it it's been a, quite an industrial city. So um, it's quite well known for the coal mining and now they um, still export coal, like to China, for example. And um, it's it's quite an arty city. Okay. It's quite quite a go-ahead city. It's, it's, it's a fun place to be. Okay. And what was the program that brought you here then, the, the grant? Yes, yeah, the, uh, they call it an International Visiting Research Fellowship. Um, so it allows um, a people who are at the uh, earlier part of their research careers to collaborate with somebody more senior. And um, in this case, you know, I've come here and had a series of talks about my research and um, we're developing a proposal to look at um, 
doing a research project across the two countries, across um, uh, with my interests with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and Professor Patton's interests with Alaska Native people. Yeah, I got an opportunity to come to one of your talks. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, you talk about the the perception of uh, Aboriginal or, or Indigenous people from Australia have the with the use of tobacco during pregnancy. What is the story of the tobacco use first with with that population with the with the Indigenous people? Because you also mentioned how how was pre, uh, the pre, uh, the use of tobacco before colonization. Can you describe a yeah. little bit of that? So before colonization, there was um, a native plant called pituri, which is um, a, a tobacco-like plant. It contains nicotine, and that was chewed and um, used um, for ceremonial use in some areas. And then there was some introduction of tobacco with smoking uh, up in the north through the Makassans, who are from Indonesia, through they, they're fishermen and they travel to Australia and it was respectfully traded but then uh, the widespread use began with colonization and sometimes tobacco wasn't used in a very nice way so it was um, uh, you know people's addiction was uh, manipulated and it was used to subdue um, tribal people and um, sometimes when they did work they were only paid in tobacco and not other rations or money so there, there has been quite a sort of uh, complicated um, history of tobacco use in Australia which is is still the legacy still felt today and um, when you said during the colonization what years we're talking early 1800s or yeah okay <laughs> um, you're testing me yeah. here because I'm actually not an Australian oh, so I you're have right, to say when, when do you move I, you know, I to have Australia? These, um, I moved to Australia in 1992. Okay. And so That's a lot not... of the things that, you know, true blue Australians know about their country yeah. and the exact years and dates no, and things like I that. I didn't kind of get that going through school. Like, you know, I've got more of the British upbringing with history. and. Yeah. But um, I what, think it was the 18th, 18th century, like at least part of the 18th century. Okay. And what has been your experience working with uh, you being an outsider in this case, in, in a double level, being from out, out Australia, no being from Australia, and also no being from the indigenous group. How, how has been your approach? What was your first uh, approach that you took as a researcher? Well, what happened was, dates back really to about 2005, um, I was involved with um, tobacco projects um, in my local area, as a, I'm a doctor, I'm a general practitioner, like a family doctor here, and I was running a, um, a project um, for tobacco in my local area, running quit smoking groups, and then actually we were approached by um, one of the Aboriginal medical services who came along and said, look, can you do anything for us? Can you help us develop something for our people? So I, I was very privileged to be invited into the oh, community. It wasn't something I had... Um, you know, I, I was probably till that point not terribly aware of the magnitude of the problem with Aboriginal people, but in that process, working very closely with that service um, and some of the Aboriginal health workers, we developed a culturally targeted program uh, for um, their people. 
um, which was called Give Up the Smokes. And uh, we, you know, that enabled us to run quit smoking groups that were appropriate. Is a big um, population by Newcastle? Of, of, oh, well, this work? was in further north in Coffs Harbour. So that's um, about where um, my hometown is, is halfway between Sydney and Brisbane. So it's further oh. up the coast. Uh, and so that was in that area, as we call it, the mid-north coast. And um, so I became involved for many years with uh, this, um, the Aboriginal medical services in my local area, helping to um, work out some better strategies. And then we received some major funding at one point where I was able to direct a program where we were able to make a motivational DVD and ran some sort of art programs in the schools for Aboriginal young people about smoking. And uh, we had a, that's when my focus started to become around uh, pregnancy, looking at how we could help pregnant mums quit smoking better. Okay, so that's something that is seen okay in that community, uh, women during smoking during pregnancy? Or, well, or what is the culture? Well, um, because um, smoking is still a, a norm in many of the communities and the prevalence is high. So, you know, the prevalence of smoking is um, around about 50%. And in pregnant mums, you know, it's up there around about 47% nationally, probably a little bit more in my area. Um, so it's, it is a sort of acceptable in one hand, but in another hand, women, um, you know, do get frowned upon also. You know, there is some stigma about smoking in pregnancy. So I think it just depends on the exact, you know, who you know and what your family's doing and what your particular friends are doing, how acceptable it is in pregnancy. But women are conscious that smoking's not ideal in pregnancy. And most women um, who've been in my research studies have uh, been conscious. They want to do the right thing by their baby. They want to be good mums. Uh, they're very protective about their babies. And so uh, and most of them do know that smoking isn't, isn't good for you because the messages are everywhere. Like we have plain packaging in Australia and on the plain packets, which are this kind of greenish color packet um, with no branding on. Um, there's very big sort of health messages, very graphic mm -hmm. health warnings, um, like visually and also messages. On the tobacco? On the, the, on the actual packet of okay. tobacco or cigarettes. So, you know, we have messages around smoking mm -hmm. can harm your unborn baby. Um, so there'd be very few that people that wouldn't know that smoking isn't, isn't the best thing to do in pregnancy. But on the other hand, when it comes down to quitting, that's another ball game because um, women are not getting enough help to actually quit smoking. The information is not enough to actually, you actually need practical mm -hmm. hands-on help to quit smoking. And also, um, in one of your slides, you share the, the comparison with, um, what, was, what was the name of those four countries uh, that you... Yeah. The four high-income countries. So high-income. High yeah. So countries. the high. So um, USA, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand all have in common that we, they've been colonized, colonized by yeah. European people or invaded, depending on where you look at it. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the legacy of that is quite similar, you know, where there's high prevalence of smoking, particularly in pregnancy and... With the natives? Yeah, with, with, uh, you know, indigenous peoples across those four high-income countries. So we've just recently done a study where we looked across what was the evidence from all of those four countries. We found some quite um, similarities. Can you share Uh, some of those? Well, um, the impact of colonization, as I say, like some countries didn't have tobacco use before, like in New Zealand, it wasn't there before. So it just came in with colonization. Other countries, like in the USA, um, there was the history of uh, tobacco use um, through Native, Native Americans, not 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 for recreational use, which is quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, those also in common, you know, um, there's socioeconomic disadvantages in those populations, a sense of dispossession and disadvantage, which is, you know, colonization is not necessarily something that just stopped. You know, there's still influences, like in Australia, for example, we have the stolen generation when children was were taken away from their parents forcibly and uh, that was occurring um you know really till um up to the 1970s and 80s so every country is a bit different but in common we still have this this um um high use of smoking or even chewing tobacco in some countries and not a lot of evidence about what is effective uh, there's been some there's some really innovative pilot programs that have been done, but when you look at um, the sort of higher level trial, which we call controlled trials, where there's a treatment group and a control group, there's n- there's only been two studies been done worldwide so far, and um, n- neither of them showed a significant difference between what they did and what you know the usual care was so what I'm trying to do is develop something that hopefully um, will you know learn from what's happened before and be able to um, you know have something that could have a chance of working you know um, so we have developed an approach that we're going to be using okay Um, and what has been the feedback here with the during your presentations well, everybody's been very receptive and very interested and commented on what a lot of work we've been doing in Australia. And I think this is great. I mean, the government do see it as a priority and um, the research, my research has uh, been well funded and um, we've been able to work collaboratively with um, Aboriginal people um, with, you know, on our teams and, and with the communities. So, um, you know, it's just been very interesting for people. They've had a lot of questions about it, which has been great. Good. Uh, now I'm going to ask you for a, a recommendation that you will give to somebody who is outsider of a, a community and you want to work with them, if even if they're researchers or if they're not researchers, but you're outsider and you want to work with somebody, what would it be your recommendation to approach that group? To work with, to start a collaboration. Yeah, I think you have to know really who to approach and you you would have to ask around. Because, like, for example, in Australia, like, we want to do some work on Aboriginal health. We we go to the uh, knowledge holders in the area 
which are um, the Aboriginal community-controlled medical services. So they're controlled. So they have their own providers, their own services. Yeah, they then? have their own services, which are community-controlled. So the board of those organisations are community members, Aboriginal people. So we go to them first up and um, you know try and talk to whoever's appropriate in that service. It might be the CEO okay. of the service, say, to start with. They will tell us who's most appropriate to talk to. You start um, building that conversation relationship and finding out, you know, what their perspectives are. You know, what 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 would like they like to see happen about this topic, uh, so that whatever you do, you know, I think it, you've got to work in with people. It's a um, we call it a like a collective and a negotiated relationship because it's like both parties are bringing something to that and um, that's where we go if there's something in health. Now, you know, with your communities here, I don't know enough about them to know like where one would one would start. Um, you know, you might, you know, um, so I, you would have to be guided by that local knowledge working with whichever population you need to work with, um, you know, on those sort of processes. Uh, there would be that knowledge somewhere though. In okay. The, um, you know, another good way to start for you doing research is go to the ethics committees because they will know what protocols for community engagement and research are appropriate for different populations. Okay. They, they see this all the time and, you know, to get um, to do things ethically, you have to have that approval and that knowledge would be there. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, Anything else that would you like to share? Where can people find you? Do you can can you share with us your Twitter handle so people can follow your follow you? Yeah, so my handle is um, Gillian S Gould. Okay. And um, so people really welcome. They can to contact you. Contact that. me, and um, you know I I'm interested in the whole spectrum of smoking you know not just in indigenous okay. communities but um i, I am a ta tobacco treatment specialist and okay. i have run a quit smoking clinic for many years and you know sat down helped what a lot people, of smokers what quit. people goes through when they quit tobacco well what is I, the symptoms first and then the benefits after that they get yeah um quit. well if you want to do it the hardest way you know <laughs> cold, yeah. go cold turkey um a lot of people do go cold turkey. Um, it actually is better in, I mean, although it can be quite successful for individuals, only about 3% of the population can, go get, can, can actually, actually make it work for them. It's actually better to plan your quit attempt. And What about um, having a support group with family and friends? Yeah, I think you need that support, but I also recommend people have professional support and go and see your family doctor okay. and talk about perhaps getting on to, if you, if you want to, you know, you know, it, you still use need your willpower even if you do use medication because, you know, it's tough enough even with medication. So I suggest that people go and talk to the doctor and find out what's appropriate for them. The safest thing to use is nicotine replacement therapy. Um, probably you've heard of nicotine patches and that sort of thing. That They're helps with safe. the symptoms or what? Yeah, very much helps with the withdrawal symptoms. So okay. when you stop smoking, the withdrawal symptoms from nicotine are going to be most prominent in that first two weeks okay. after um, What do they quitting. feel? What well, people? you feel kind of a bit irritable, stressed, cranky. 
um, you know, like you're craving a cigarette, you're hanging out for a cigarette, grumpy. Um, like I think it's hard to live with somebody when they're trying to quit smoking. Right. They can get a bit touchy. Um, but you can get other symptoms. Some people sweat a lot. Some people have trouble sleeping. Um, some people can feel a bit blue and a bit down. Okay. Um, so there can be lots of different things. Um, and the benefits that they get? right away well the benefits start happening within 24 hours so wow. within 24 hours your risk of having a heart attack or a stroke go down and then within three days you're breathing better um, within um, you know a short period of time your risk of heart disease goes down and we know people when they quit smoking Within just a few months, that. But what taste? And they start tasting food. Well, they do. You get better. That's what get. Your people. taste buds wake up, which means you sometimes eat, eat a bit more chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's died from eating chocolate yet. So, yeah. um, you know, it's definitely safer than smoking. But, um, you know, there's a lot of symptoms, but all of those uh, helped if you take some stop smoking medicines and the doctor your doctor's the best person to tell you what's right for you and um, I would encourage people to uh, you know also counseling from the doctor support support on a weekly basis is good like particularly for the first say six to eight weeks but also having your family on board helping you su support you is quite important um, friends you know how do you get into the feel of smoking sensation well, I got into it um, because I took over a program from another doctor who had to go overseas and he wanted me to take over this quit group program. And I must say, I really enjoyed running the quit groups because I, I love the way everybody helps each other. Oh, so it's like a support group. It's like a support group. We ran groups like, you know, a lot of educational stuff, a lot of interactive stuff. Um, but people helping support each other. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the, some of the materials that you share, they're interactive where people can scan and see videos of uh, testimonial or other uh, doctors giving messages. Yeah, so for the um, this, this intervention specifically for pregnant indigenous mm -hmm. women, and we've made a little booklet for the women that's got virtual reality videos in it. You, you can watch them by downloading an app on your phone and then you just scan mm -hmm. the picture and then it comes alive and talks to you and we've got some health messages from um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander doctors in there but also we also have some women who are talking about their experience um, to you know that's helpful for women like to listen to and um, so that also accounts people who may prefer to listen and watch something rather than reading that maybe if if no. they're not not as as good at reading, mm -hmm. so we want to get that message across in several different ways, and we've got some nice coloring in Aboriginal art that they can color in if just to if they've you know need something yeah. to do with their hands while they're quitting. People say, what am I going to do with my hands? I Keep need to do mind. something. Yeah. Keep them busy. Um, but our main thrust for that program is actually training the health professionals in the services because we know they could be doing a better job. Uh, they're good at asking about smoking and giving some ad brief advice, but they're not really that good at hands-on um, assisting people to quit and knowing how to support people in pregnancy to quit. Um, so we're training um, all of the health providers at the Aboriginal services that sign up to the program how to um, how to do that better.
Okay. Yeah. And how does that relate with the collaboration that you have here with Dr. Patton from the Mayo Clinic? Well, we both have a, a strong interest in the health messages and how to get the messages better okay. through to um, pregnant uh, indigenous women, okay. how to encourage them more to quit, what's going to motivate them. Um, but we're also looking at more broadly how the community can assist, what kind of social marketing uh, can be done or social networks, what sort of platforms, you know, would an app be good, would, you know, Facebook or something like that, how are we going to get those messages across and how can we use interactive things to reach out to people because I think Australia is a little, probably not as remote as Alaska, but, you know, we do have areas that are hard to reach mm -hmm. and we, we need to think beyond, um, we need to think innovatively in how we can use information technology to get out there to people and that's how we, we're approaching even with the training the providers we're going to be using webinar to train them and that sort of model might be might possibly in the future be useful also you know for the people she works with in Alaska so we've been starting to have some, some talks with the group up there and float some ideas and see you know what might appeal to them ways we could work together okay well, thank you for your visit. And are you? When are you going back to Australia? I'm going on Saturday. Yeah. On Saturday. So on Saturday, May 13th, we're gonna have a bike swap from the club where you oh. got the bike loan. Uh, so we're gonna have a bicycle swap on May 13th from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. So if somebody's listening to this and they have a bicycle in the garage, they want to get rid of it or get a new one. They can bring their bicycle to the swap, trade it, sell it. Um, it's ten dollars. The ten dollars goes to the bike club. So the bike club consists on a, a program that provides services to, for the whole community. It's free. If you need help with your bike, you can come by to the bike club, which is located behind um, on Broadway North, one fifteen and a half, and we're located on the alley on Garage one seventeen. So you can come and get help with your bike. If uh, we also help have a youth program where the, we have also a, earn a bike, so where they come and volunteer at least three times, working other bicycles, and then you get to earn your bicycle helmet and a lock and lights also. Uh, and we had the bicycle library, like the one we loaned you. That was fantastic. I so, mean, it was actually really made a difference to my stay here. Yeah. You know, especially I don't have a car, so I can get out on my bike and go places and investigate and explore a bit. It's been really very well appreciated. So I highly recommend yeah, thank the you. bike library. And, yeah, thank you. And, and that's the purpose because we know a lot of people who come to Rochester, you know, they stay here for a few days or weeks or months. And sometimes if they have a family member at the Mayo Clinic, there's something to keep them their mind occupied to get out and explore the city and and you know once you get on a bicycle it's always um, it helps to make you feel better and anyway so Sunday May 13th from 10 to 2 come check it out uh, if, if you don't need a bike anyways just come come by and say hi and we're gonna be there make sure also that you follow us on Twitter on their community board on Facebook also you go on pages and find us on their community board on, on iTunes, 
and SoundCloud. Look us for look up for Community Board Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. So anything else that you want to share before we go? Oh, just no. Just thanks for this opportunity. It's the first time I've done a podcast, so it's not oh. been not been as scary as I thought it no, was going to no, be. No, 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 no. <laughs> now you can go and share the podcast with our friends down in Australia. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you for you. everything That's and stay tuned. Bye-bye. Bye.